Hello and welcome to the Bundesliga show, brought to you by Over the Bar, uh, with your hosts, myself, Rory Petrie, and of course, Mark Broadhurst over in Germany. Uh, so thank you for tuning in wherever you are. Sit back and enjoy the show. Uh, before we go over to Mark, as usual, for our anagram segment, please do yourselves and us a massive favour by clicking big red button, subscribe if you are watching on YouTube, and to also draw your attention to the little bell icon in the corner as well. That will send you notifications so you do not miss a show or a thing. If you're listening to us on a podcast, please do click the subscribe button as well so you do not miss out on anything else. Thank you very much indeed. So it's a very exciting show that we've got uh, for you this evening or this morning, depending on when you're listening. Not only do we have all our usual content, uh, we've got our first ever guest today. Very exciting stuff. Uh, and we've also got some news on a an addition, a new mini series that myself and Mark and possibly a few other people are going to be working on. More on that later. Uh, so on with the show. Mark, um, so it's over to you for the Anagram segment to get the juices flowing. What have you got for us this week on the Anagram front? Okay, guys. So as always, let's remember the uh, our Anagram from last week, which, as you can see on the screen, was Bile Iron Nun. So remember the rules of the game. Remember, it has to be something related to the Bundesliga. So it can either be a club, a player, or a manager. Uh, and actually this week, we unfortunately didn't get any people who got it correct, which is actually the first time since we've been doing this series that nobody got it correct. So come on, guys, you've got to up your game. So for any of you watching that got it last minute, it was indeed Union Berlin, as you can see on the bottom of your screen, a Bundesliga club, one of my favorite Bundesliga clubs as well. So, yeah, so Union Berlin was your anagram for last week. Now, let's have a look at this week's new anagram, which, as you can see at the bottom of your screen, is man Manual Jangle Inns. Manual Jangle Inns. So just to rem remind you guys, it's got to be something related to the Bundesliga. It's got to be a club, a player, or a manager. I just want to remind you guys to either comment underneath the YouTube videos or if you're listening down on our podcast, I'm just going to read it for you a little bit slower so you can take a pen now and write it down just for your enjoyment. So it's M-A-N-U-A-L, manual, J-A-N-G-L-E, jangle, I-N-N-S, INS. So, yeah, so have fun with that, guys, and check in next week and uh, find out what the correct answer was to this week, week five of our preview, of our review, sorry. Enjoy. So, over with the correct scores. Yeah, so, as per usual, we'll just quickly spin through the results of the weekend and then we'll be straight into our featured games and we'll introduce our first ever guest. So starting off on Friday night, uh, it was a it was a one-all draw between VFB Stuttgart and Köln. Um, Stuttgart's incredibly quick start, uh, 26 seconds I think it took them to score, so uh, it was a good result for Köln in the end. On to the Saturday afternoon game, so Bayern Munich were looking emphatic again with a massive 5-0 win at home to Intract Frankfurt. Uh, we also had 2-1 home win for RB Leipzig, so that just about keeps them at the foot of the table for now. Uh, the other afternoon games uh, were Union Berlin drawing one all at home to Freiburg, uh, and there was a five-goal thriller involving Mainz and Borussia Mönchengladbach, which ended up being 3-2 to the visitors. Then on to this Saturday evening kickoff, which of course, was the derby between Borussia Dortmund and Schalke. Win the way of the form book 3-0 to the home side Dortmund on that occasion. And we've just had two, two more games on the Sunday afternoon as we're recording. So we've seen Wolfsburg break their duck, their Sunday duck, and get a 2-1 win at home to Armenia Beifeld. 
and we've just seen Werder Bremen draw one all with Hoffenheim with Bayer Leverkusen and Augsburg to come Monday evening, which is slightly odd for the Bundesliga. So there are the results. Now on to the more exciting part, which is our feature games. And we now get to introduce our first ever guest on the show, which is fantastic. We're very glad to have him on. Uh, his name is Nick Wildhagen. Uh, he is a presenter on Talking Foosball, which is another uh, Bundesliga show. Um, they have their own podcast and their own Patreon content, uh, which we'll be able to give you a bit more information about at the end of the show. So without further ado, we'll bring him in right now. Hi guys, how are you doing? Guten Tag, Servus. Servus. How's it going? How is everything? Germany. It's it's yeah. going good. It's going good. Um, yeah, it's just been an exciting weekend of uh, some great Bundesliga action. I'm I'm still uh, in awe of that Holland goal, but uh, I'm sure we get to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so now that Nick's introduced himself, let's move on to our first uh, feature game, which, as you can see on the bottom of your screen, is going to be the Mainz 2 Gladbach 3 game, which was a really, really entertaining match on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, uh, Nick, what, did you catch that game? And if so, what did you think about it? Uh, it was a slightly odd game. Um, I mean, Mainz pressed to Gladbach. Uh, in the beginning moments of that match and uh, it looked like uh, the side that was most likely to score but in the end it was Gladbach who got the who broke the deadlock first uh, then Mainz got back into it uh, through two goals by Mateta who hadn't scored since match day one so things looked up and um, second half uh, Gladbach showed how much depth they actually have on the bench bringing in guys like Nauhaus and uh, Turam um, and, you know, that, that turned the match around for them. And um, once Mainz conceded that 2-2 two, two equalizer, you just you just saw that that team looked uncomfortable. Um, heads went down and, you know, the thinking seemed to be, oh, here we go again. Yeah. And, um, yeah, in the end, Matthias Ginter was left alone on a, on a corner kick and uh, got up yeah. into the air, wasn't really pressured by anybody and uh, headed it home ever so sweetly. And... Uh, Flattering result for Gladbach uh, in terms of that Mainz had enough chances to actually get that, you know, 3-1 goal uh, uh, early in the second half. But um, in the end, uh, it was a balanced game with loads of chances going both ways, entertaining. But um, if, if you're a lover of good defending, I don't think you, you got your money's worth than that one. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. And Nick, what did you think about the fact that Gladbach did decide to go with such a weakened side? Because that really surprised me because I know that they are playing Champions League and I guess it's like you've got it's to make the most of the opportunity. Yeah. But I, I was really, really shocked to see that, to be honest, that they decided to go so weak on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, uh, who was the guy playing in defensive midfield? Um, his name escapes me, but he's, a, he's an academy player who came in for, for Gladbach and he was like, oh, who, who's that guy? <laughs> 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 I haven't. I haven't seen other than I. I you know, it's, I think it's the first or second match I watched of Gladbach this season, and I hadn't seen him before, so that that was kind of strange. And um, I, you know, I think uh, Michael Rosa is thinking that okay, we are in a really, we have a really tight schedule uh, at the moment, and you know, we have to, we have to make sure that everybody pulls through and that we um, don't catch too many injuries at the start of the season because. Um, uh, with Corona and everything, the, the schedule is more jam-packed than it ever has been. And um, some of these guys are even going to go off and play Euros uh, at the end of the mm -hmm. season. Um, it's incredibly tough for the players. So um, I think you will see a lot of odd team selections throughout the entire season, to be yeah. honest. And having five changes uh, like we currently have is, is going to make that occur even more often, I, I would assume. So... Um, yeah, I think it, it seems kind of odd this early on in the season, but there's more of that to come, I would would believe, and not only for Gladbach. Yeah. Do you think, uh, Nick, from a from a mind's point of view, like like you mentioned, when it went to two all, mm. they were very much of the thinking, here we go again. It's been an okay, a decent performance up to this point, and then the the inevitable seemed to happen. Do you think they're 
I mean, confidence is a big thing in football. Do you think they're in real trouble now? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you read the table, yes, yes, they are in real trouble. Um, you, uh, have you got any positive words for any potential minds fans who might be listening or watching for for an escape at any point, <laughs> any time soon, perhaps? Um, yeah, I think they did the same under Jurgen Klopp, uh, losing the first five matches on of the season, and they they managed to stay in the league that season. So um, it has been done before. Things can be turned around. Uh, biggest question right now at the club is uh, if Jan Moritz Lichter is given the chance to you know become the coach full time. You've seen uh, some improvement since he took over. I mean, that relationship between Achim Bayerlodzer and that squad of players was basically broken. It broken mm -hmm. down entirely after the whole saga surrounding Adam Shalai. Um, and Jan Moritz Lichter seems to have a better connection with that group of players. So that is certainly positive for Mainz. But he needs results and he, he needs them quickly. Um, if he's going to lose the next one or two matches, I think uh, Ruben Schroeder and the officials at Mainz are going to be forced to act and install a new head coach. And where that leaves Lichter, if he's going to be... Uh, you know, the assistant coach once again, or if he's going to be Risty Rigid somewhere in the club system stands to be seen. Um, but yeah, I, I think things can be turned around and um, the table this early on, it, it sort of lies. Um, and uh, when you see the improvement from from once he took over and that first game against Union Berlin, which was an absolutely horrific 4-0 defeat, and to now... Um, you see, a, you see a significant improvement, and uh, once they break that duck and to get that first win or get that first point, um, they they might be more confident and go into matches thinking, "Hey, we actually do stand a chance." Indeed. Yeah, I think obviously Mainz is a club that's had a great tradition with good managers. You know, obviously you mentioned mm -hmm. Jurgen Klopp, but also Thomas Tuchel as well also came from Mainz as well. So I mean maybe it's time for them to unveil the next great manager of European football. You don't know. Yeah. And keep them <laughs> up against all odds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they have sort of failed to bring that, you know, that, that second, no, that third European great into the picture. <laughs> this is double left. I mean, uh, I think he was followed by, by that Swiss guy. What, what was his name? Um, uh, Martin Schmidt, who also was yeah. in charge of Augsburg. He really, um, you know, seemed to be a, decent enough coach but not really somebody who uh, struck me as a as as a revolutionary coach who uh, uh, could attack uh, big challenges like you know some of the greatest teams in Europe and the same with Sandra Schwartz who actually wasn't the running for for that um, um, job at Schalke that in the end went to Manuel Baum but mentioning Zandra Schwartz, I mean, some of, some of the talk at Mainz has actually been, um, I talked with the kicker journalist about that on our show, was uh, actually, well, why not bring back Zandra Schwartz? He's still on our books. <laughs> They're paying his contract. Why not bring him back and see how that goes? Um, and, you know, some, some of the clubs, they might have to get creative in the hiring process because Mainz and some, some of the other clubs in the Bundesliga, they are really struggling financially and... Uh, Mines is one of those clubs. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so let's move on to the second uh, feature game we want to look at today, which is actually uh, Nick's team. Werder Bremen made a one-all draw against Hoffenheim. Just to, The match just finished just less than an hour ago, actually. Yeah. So, so let's go to you, Nick, straight away. What did you make of this game, and are you happy with Werder's performance? Um, I'm happy with the result. Um, <laughs> uh, Werder pretty much scored from the first attack uh, in the fifth minute. Uh, Maxi Eggestein poking home a cross that was sent into the area by um, uh, Gabriel Lassi, uh, who's uh, turning out to be a very vital player for them this season. And after that 1-0 goal, uh, Werder pretty much defended for the rest of the match. Um, I think Werder created in total uh, five shots throughout the entire 90 minutes. Um, Hoffenheim did more, uh, had the better chances. Um, you know, uh, the, the Danish player, uh, Robert Skov, uh, hit, hit the crossbar from, from a free kick uh, in the second half. Uh, Hoffenheim 
had some decent enough chances, but not really the big chances that you think they should have ought to have tucked away. Um, but yeah, I think you know, Hoffenheim was going probably in that dressing room when the Vids are starting right now, thinking, well, we should have gotten those three points and Verde is there thinking, okay, we, we took our chances. We defended well enough for once. Um, so, okay, it's it's a fair enough result. Um, but yeah, for Verde, it's, it's important to gather points from these sort of tight matches because whilst Hoffenheim probably was the better side, it, it was really a, a hard-fought affair both sides had a lot of defending to do, uh, especially Werder. And Werder did well enough uh, keeping Hoffenheim out. And um, if they manage if they manage to do do that against other op- opponents of Hoffenheim's caliber, um, you know the season might not be as dramatic as last season. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, certainly looking at the result on the face of it, uh, it was obviously quite an ex- start, uh, exciting start to the game as there was. Two goals in the space of about 20 odd minutes of thinking here we go here comes a classic and it didn't quite pan out that way however um when you look on the face of it as a result as you mentioned nick you're probably more pleased with the point rather than performance but as we've seen this hoffenheim team tear some fantastic teams apart obviously we've seen them already take uh by munich to the cleaners of course so as you mentioned it's all about accumulating points and after the start of the season was a poor one for your side. Are you quite pleased with their form and their, well, their just their grittiness to get results really so far this season since that first game? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen one single match besides the Schalke match where Werder was the better side. Um, you know, that, that match against Bielefeld, the other one that they won, uh, they, they were quite lucky, uh, better in the first half, uh, Bielefeld took them apart and the second half just failed to score uh, against Freiburg. Really lucky not to be 2-0 down because of a VAR interception. Um, then they got back into that one. Um, so, yeah, I think in, in terms of the points accumulated, Voda can be best pleased with eight points. It's it's a decent enough start to the season. I mean, if, if your goal is to gather 40 points, and that is what Voda's goal is going to be this season, given that they've released David Klaassen out of financial necessity, uh, basically stopping the club from going bankrupt um, <laughs> before, before the end of the year. Um, yeah. The, the the focus is going to, to to be on accumulating enough points to stay in the league and uh, results like this is, are th- certainly going to help and uh, yeah I mean they, they have a few few tough matches coming up I think one or two weeks from now they're playing against Bayern but then again they have some other matches like the one against Köln and 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 these are going to be the important matches this season because last mm-hmm. season where Werder really failed was against the team at the at the lower half of the table. That's yeah. the matches they t- lost. Um, uh, furthermore, Verde was actually quite dreadful at home last season. So far this season, they've already accumulated four points from three home matches, which is not brilliant, but it's decent enough. Um, so if you want to stay in the league, that's the way to go. But um, yeah, um, defending looks decent, but uh, going forward, there's really not an awful lot to be excited about. Speaking of uh, speaking of going forward, then Nick, uh, I obviously as a Manchester United fan, I, I'd be uh, very aware that we've sent Tadif Chong on on loan to yourselves. Mm-hmm. Have you seen enough of him in in the opening games to suggest he might be a good acquisition, or do you think he's just not made made for the Bundesliga either? Uh, you know, I don't know. Um... I think it's too early to judge, but what I've seen from him so far, he started the match against Hertha, where he uh, actually uh, was the quickest player on the pitch. He had the, the quickest sprint of all 22 guys out there during that mm-hmm. match. But um, he um, doesn't think quick enough. He doesn't distribute the ball quick enough at times going forward. And um, But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a process, and... Uh, some players adapt, some players don't, and um, it, it stands to be seen whether or not he's going to be a player who adapts. Today, he only got three or four minutes, um, mm-hmm. and that's obviously not enough to yeah. tell an awful lot about his potential. Um, in any ways, he had to do defending most of the time, um, 
didn't didn't do too badly there. Had a couple of uh, good clearances, um, but obviously uh, Verda hasn't brought him on to uh, have good clearances. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, and just a bit more on you uh, personally, Nick. Like, what made you decide to be a Verda fan? Like, is there a particular reason, or is it like a family thing, or is it just a it's, love? Uh, it's TV. Um, Basically, I mean, I, um, I I was born in Germany, and uh, when I was four years old, I, I got to see a match of them on television, and I fell in love with them. And um, yeah, that was just it. Yeah. Um, you don't you don't choose your favorite team. Um, I mean, well, some people do. Uh, some people <laughs> shop around for their favorite teams, but um, if you're sort of um, <laughs> if you've read Fever Pitch, for instance, um, I'm I'm more that mold of a supporter rather than you know mm. the, the punter who just distributes his love to whoever is doing best at the moment i mean they're a fair few amount they're fair 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 amount of people around who do that but yeah that's not for me and finally nick just on verda if you had to say uh if i pressed you for a prediction at the end of the season where you're saying your team are going to finish at the end of the season um well um well, right now they're in a Europa League place, but I don't think um, <laughs> I don't think they're going to be there. Um, I, I, you know, I'd be very happy with uh, anything from fifteenth place and upwards. Really, um, you know, if you if you press me really hard, I, you know, I, I think I actually released my table predictions at the start of the season, and I think I put Verda in twelve. Mm-hmm. And um, having said that, I. I at that time, I thought I was really optimistic on their behalf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just one last thing about uh, Verder. I got to say, I, I was lucky enough to see Verder play in Nuremberg because I'm a Nuremberg fan, actually. Yeah, and it was about two years ago, and they played over here in Nuremberg because I'm based in Nuremberg as well. And like, they had the best fan, maybe some of the best fans that I've seen. Really, they were awesome. Yeah, like the team was not great in all honesty, but like the the passion from the fans and like they just sung for. 95 minutes you know and then after the game you could talk to them it was really great mm. yeah. so no matter how poor the team is for Verdi, you've always got the fans you know yeah you, you do i mean um tell you one story uh, back in the day of uh, victor skripnik another coach you is better forgotten um Verda was really in a tight spot with uh, four or five matches left at, at the end of the season and uh you know the club didn't know what to do fire skripnik uh or stick with them they stuck with them and um, what the fans actually did they created um they created something called the green and white wonder wall which saw yeah. them line the streets of bremen and welcomed the team <laughs> bus to the stadium and you know ten thousand wow. people waving flags and uh cheering on the team on the way to the stadium was was a massive boost to the to the mm. to the team who yeah. was in a dire situation and you know fans had expected better but uh they decided in you know instead of shouting and grumbling and booing and jeering uh, they decided they they that they should throw all of their support behind their team and uh, that in the end saw Werner Bremen secure their place in the Bundesliga that wow. that season and uh, yeah. I think it speaks to um, what sort of fans they actually are uh, compared to some of the other fans I'm, I'm not yeah. going to mention HSV yeah and a lot of people in Germany, they've told me that like Werder Bremen, it's like a religion. It's not really a club because it's so important in the area, you know, because the Bremen area is more like a kind of working class area mostly. And I think it's like you can probably compare it to like the northwest of England a little bit, you mm. know, like the your Manchester's, your Liverpool's. Like, and the clubs are like they're like the kind of so much of a part of the community. As much of just being a football club, you know. Yeah, it's it's, it's not like Berlin where, you know, uh you have one gazillion options of what you can do on a yeah. weekend. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, you know, I mean, there, there are certainly differences between the, the northern regions of England and uh, Bremen. I think Bremen is a Hanseatic town. Traditionally yeah. speaking, it was a rich town. It, it's not anymore. Yeah. But, I mean, that sort of history um, yeah. sticks. It's it's ingrained in Bremen's DNA. Um uh you know and um yeah but uh Werder Bremen it's it's a big deal in, in Bremen it's um pretty much the biggest thing coming out of Bremen these days 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your insight into what uh, Bremen is to you. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the next uh, feature game, which obviously was probably the build as the biggest game of the weekend. But I think, to be honest, uh, as many would have expected, it was one-sided. Is probably an understatement, in all honesty, yeah, which ended in a Dortmund 3, Schalke 0. Yeah, I mean, it was very, very much a one-sided game. Yeah, um, Nick, uh, do you have any extra thoughts on that? I know you wanted to mention Haaland's goal, obviously, was one of the key moments. Yeah, It was. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant through ball by Jaden Sancho. Uh, I mean, that when you see that understanding between of the two of them, which starts with Haaland basically holding up the ball and, you know, whilst Schalke is retreating, and the two of them start that attack on their own. I mean, he finds him. And when he finds them, he just sprints at 35 kilometers an hour. And he's such a tall guy, but he's so damn quick, too. <laughs> it's just such a lethal combination. And uh, when you then see that beautifully weighted through ball by, by Jaden Sancho, which was played to perfection. I mean, if he'd hit it any harder, Holland wouldn't have got to it. If he'd hit it any softer, the Schalke defender would have cut it out. But it was just weighted so beautifully that... Holland then got on to the end of that pass. However, it got onto his wrong foot and um, the left foot, and he had to touch the ball with that quite quickly. And uh, after he had a perfect first touch with his weaker foot, he then has the presence of mind to just simply chip the ball beautifully over the keeper, which, um, yeah, it, it looks so easy, but uh, this wasn't a, this, you know, this wasn't sort of an easy goal by any means. It, it was a difficult to take goal and he, yeah, he made it look like Charles play. Uh, absolutely brilliant goal. And, you know, then going up 2-0, it basically sealed the deal for Dortmund in, in that derby because Schalke, they weren't looking at dangerous going forward. Um, but when it's 1-0, you always, and particularly Dortmund, uh, mm -hmm. can always find a way of messing something up and defend. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, so that was important. Um, Add to that that header by Matt Swimmels, which was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, header from from a corner kick, and yeah, uh, deserved three 0 win for for Dortmund in the derby, and uh, good way to get back after that dreadful outing in uh, midweek against Lazio in the Champions League. Uh, and what you know, one one of the things that always strikes me when Dortmund loses in the Champions League or when they lose in the Bundesliga, there's always talk about Lucien Favre. Is yeah. he the right guy? And. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at his stats as a, as a Dortmund coach, and uh, he's actually averaging 2.02 points per match, which is better than Jurgen Klopp's record at the club. Wow. Granted, Klopp stayed there for a long time, but that is, you know, I think that is telling you something. I, I think is the problem for Favre and Dortmund is, is the fact that uh, Bayern are just so damn good and. Uh, how far they've progressed on the father sort of somehow gets lost when yeah. when you compare them to Bayern. Nick, then, do you think with uh, certainly with the stats pointing to towards father doing a good enough job and in the usual circumstances, perhaps Dortmund would be the team to beat? Do you think this particular crop of players, the fact that now maybe Sancho can just get his head down and forget about transfer speculation? Can they mount a serious title challenge this season, do you think? Um, I mean, what Dortmund fans should take a lot of heart from is the fact that you had players like Modahud in that first team lineup against Schalke who don't usually get a lot of playing time. Mm -hmm. And um, as we talked about earlier with the, the Gladbach game with Marco Rosa, you know, throwing in some really sort of wild cards into the mix, uh, it's going to be key for Dortmund uh, that you know, those second string players are going to perform on their day when they're given the chance. And if they can do that uh, on a regular basis, um, yeah, they could. But I mean, that, as we mentioned earlier, that has sort of been the problem for Dortmund, though. Whenever they've, uh, you know, had matches against sides like Augsburg or Union Berlin last season, when, you know, some of those guys were given the chance, they've, they've, uh, you know, they've ended up stumbling over, the, over themselves and, you know, ending up with the unnecessary draws or losses. And um, if they can find a way of getting rid of that, uh, yeah, they can mount a serious title challenge. But I, I have my doubts. I mean, if if I 
if I were if I were to put my own money on who's going to win the championship this season, I def- it would definitely be Bayern München. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what about obviously at the the other end of the table? I mean, Schalke are just having a nightmare, aren't they? Twenty one games, they've not won a league game since January twenty twenty. I mean, for a club mm. which is really considered to be one of the big, probably the third, or even in some people's eyes, the second biggest club in Germany. You know, I mean, uh, how can it go so wrong? Schalke, you know, Nick, what do you think? Like, what's happened to them? I think a number of things coming together. I mean, once again, it's um, financial instability, which started before Corona. Even I mean, the the uh, federal state of North Rhine-Westphalia actually had to give Schalke a bank guarantee of I think some forty million euros in order to stay fluid, uh, which is not necessarily. A, Boding well for them. Uh, additionally, I do think it's, uh, it's it's a question of you know that team maybe being put. Uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not the strongest side, but they are underperforming. Um, and you know we talked about psychology earlier. Um, it's uh, you know I this team doesn't have any sort of self belief in itself. Additionally, they had sort of a strenuous relationship with their last coach, and uh, what Schalke failed to do was getting rid of David Wagner after last season. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they would have probably fared better if they've brought in another manager and said, "Okay, great, you get you know you can uh, work with the players in the run up of the season, and uh, we take it from there." Uh, given that the financial situation was so dire at the club, the club thought, okay, we, we just pray that uh, David Wagner is going to find some way of turning this around, reconnect <laughs> his players, and, you know, we'll be all right. Um, and obviously they weren't. Um, so now they're then some pickle because uh, Manuel Baum really hasn't found a way of um, turning things around either. either but... Um, you know, he's been there for three matches. Uh, they've lost against Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig. And um, to be fair, um, those are two of the sides you would expect them to lose against under normal circumstances as well. Um, so what's going to be more telling uh, is the matches going forward against mm-hmm. you know, sides like uh, Augsburg, uh, Against Union Berlin, they get a draw, which is sort of like a decent enough result, but it's not really brilliant. You know, but these sort of matches, they're going to be telling you about whether or not Chaka are actually capable of maybe getting out of that mess. It's still early days, and there's still an awful lot of teams down there. Absolutely. And uh, right now, I mean, they're on one point, but hey, it's only seven points up to the Europa League places. Um, and, you know, that, that can be turned around in five, six uh, weeks if they actually manage to string a few decent results together. Absolutely. Okay, so yeah, so let's move on to the, <clears throat> the final feature game, which is Rasen Ballsport Leipzig 2, uh, Hertha Berlin 1. Yeah, so I mean, not so much of a surprise, I guess, that result here. Yeah, it's um, Nick, uh, but obviously, I think uh, Leipzig now are top of the league. So yeah, do you think they can sustain this push, Nick? No. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think they're going to finish towards the top end of the table. I think they're pretty much a good contender to uh, uh, get a Champions League spot. Um, but yeah, I would uh, I would think that they are going to face some difficulties along the way. Um, what has been promising for them, uh, has to be said, is that they have sort of managed to um, find a way scoring goals without Timo Werner. Um, Emil Forsberg, the Swedish, the Swedish uh, playmaker, has uh, sort of had a yeah, uh, a reawakening uh, at that club. He really didn't play a vital role last season. This season he's playing a much bigger role and uh, has helped them. Um, but yeah, once again, it's it's the matches against Bayern, it's the matches against Dortmund that are going to be the telling matches for them. And Last season, uh, after you know they they were in the lead in the table after I think at, at the halfway point even, um, and uh, you know they drifted away from that. And they had some silly results along the way, like two two draws against uh, bottom bottom half sides, um, 
And yeah, I, I would assume that the same is going to happen to them again this season. Um, mm -hmm. I'm afraid. And uh, their new striker, Alexander Zerlot, got a start. Uh, hooray for another Norwegian playing in the Bundesliga. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think he's going to, to uh, be a one, you know, going to be an, the sort of replacement that is going to be as vital as, as Timo Werner. I think that it's going to be a team job getting those goals so far. They've done well, but. Um, obviously, not having Team Ivana, it sort of robs them of that counter-attacking weapon they had against bigger teams, and and mm -hmm. so it's not going to provide them that. Speak, uh, well, picking up on that, then Nick, what what you mentioned, what I kind of get from that as well is that perhaps RB are now a team that uh, are lacking that squad depth, that especially now that we're in such condensed periods <clears throat> of the season. It's only going to get worse as we progress through the season. Do you think that will be the the real thing that comes to bite them, bite them? You know, when, when it comes to these games where they're having to reel off some of the you know more squad players that would at the end of the day won't be able to come up with the goods. We saw Clive at the start today as well. He looks yeah. like an exciting player. Um, do you think, as you mentioned, Sorloff and Paulson as a duo, will they be able to get enough goals between them to? to say match what Werner would have got perhaps if he was still there? <laughs> um, difficult to tell. I mean, Alexander Zerlot um, had a dreadful time at Crystal Palace, uh, then went to Turkey uh, where he uh, did ever so well for Trapson. But, uh, you know, the Turkish league is not the Premier League. It's not the Bundesliga. Um, so I think I would assume that he would need some time uh, to find his way. <laughs> Nagelsmann has said that he's going to, you know, uh, phase him in rather slowly. Now he's gotten his first start, uh, got in the seats um, in that start, and that is a promising enough start. But, yeah, I think they, those two guys are going to get some goals, but if they're going to be an adequate replacement for Werner uh, combined, yeah, maybe, it's, uh, you know. Yeah. And just one final question, Nick, as well. But I know a lot of people in Germany, they're not really particularly fond of the fact that uh, RB Leipzig have uh, kind of sprung to such prominence in the last few years. Yeah, obviously, for reasons uh, including that they are propped up by a, a kind of well-renowned uh, drinks company. Yeah, But how do you feel about that? Because I personally, like, I quite... I mean, maybe it's because I'm from England and I enjoy the Premier League. And obviously the Premier League is, there's a lot of money involved in there, you know. And perhaps the Bundesliga is not so uh, accustomed to clubs being propped up by rich backers. Yeah, but how do you feel about their rise to prominence? Uh, do you think it's a good thing for the Bundesliga? It depends what sort of angle you take uh, in terms of getting young, exciting players to the league, in terms of getting a team in there that is thinking in new and creative ways. Um, and, uh, you know, this is actually pointed out in the latest edition of Soconomics that um, uh, teams and clubs like RB Leipzig have actually the luxury of being able to think in new and creative ways that other bigger clubs that have been around forever don't have, uh, simply because, um, you know, the mechanisms of the football business are they tend to be the same. Okay, if A happens, we do B, and we all we always going to do that until it works. Uh, if we have five matches in a, in a row where we don't win, we fire the coach, and uh, we're not looking at any other options here because that's what we always done. And um, you know, that is the sort of thing that RB Leipzig don't have to face. I, 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 they have a very friendly local press. Uh, the papers in Leipzig are really afraid to criticize them. Uh, and uh, they're just happy to have a Bundesliga team there. Uh, additionally, they have a lot of money. I mean, they just this summer at Red Bull uh, came in and said, okay, we're going to alleviate you of 120 million euros of your debt. Uh, and then they go out in the press and say, oh, well, you know, it's a sort of tra transaction. It's not really, you know, get a, uh, get, a, get out of jail free card. It's sort of like, uh, you know, we got something in return, but um, what that something was is unclear to this very day uh, other than the club not being in debt anymore um so yeah i think uh, from from that angle sure it's it's a positive thing because it gives you a young creative team that things in new ways but if you take the fan point of view uh where 50 plus one stands very strong and 
when you take the point of view that you want fans to be involved in the most in most ways and fan involvement is not really something that rb are strong on um and if that is the if that's the sort of thing that brings you to the bundesliga and what made you fall in love with the bundesliga which is personally is for me um you don't really want a club like rb or hoffenheim for that matter in that league you prefer you know chaotic 8060 munich or nuremberg or exactly Heidenslauten. <laughs> yeah okay yeah good stuff um well so nick thank you very much for uh for coming on the show you've been our first ever guest and you've been our best guest as well so far um thank you very much for coming on um <laughs> for everyone uh, that is listening and watching uh please give nick a follow on twitter his uh twitter handle is at uh, Nor Musings, or you can search for Norwegian Musings as well. Uh, Nick also is a co-host or host on Talking Foosball, which is another German Bundesliga show, which you can find on all good audio platforms. And they also have a fantastic Patreon service as well. For just a couple of uh, dollars a month, you get tons and tons of extra features. So please do go give that a look. So. Nick, thank you very much for your time. You've been a fantastic guest and we look forward to seeing you uh, in another podcast not too far down the road. Cheers, guys. Pleasure being on. Thanks, Nick. Thank Cheers. you. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so it was great to have our first uh, guest on the show. But for now, for the rest of the show, you've just got me and Rory. Yeah. So, yeah, so remember, as usual, let's just go through our the rest of the games uh, quite quickly. We'll sum them up today. So, yeah, yep. let's start with the Friday night game, the Stuttgart 2 Köln. Oh, sorry, Stuttgart won, Köln won. Yeah, I think a game that probably uh, Stuttgart will feel they probably should have won in that first half. They had a lot of chances, hit the bar from a good free kick short after scoring another good goal. I mean, some of the mm. goals that Stuttgart scored are really impressive, yeah. But Rory, do you think it could be a case of two points dropped, that one? Yeah, I mean, the, the fantastic start of Stuttgart seems to continue. Um, the goal after 23, 24 seconds, you're thinking just go on and absolutely blitz them now and it could be three points guaranteed. Um, but on the other hand, credit to Colm for, you know, for hanging on in there. Obviously, before this game, they'd, they'd also not won a league game for a long old while and they were, they were close to being blown away, but they've managed to hold on. Obviously, um, they managed to grab themselves a penalty and hold on for the rest of the game. So from their point of view, it's a vital point, especially when they're so hard to come by at the moment for them. But yeah, as you mentioned, probably two points dropped for Stuttgart. But again, the way that they're playing, it's just really refreshing. Um, so absolutely credit to them. Definitely. And uh, overall, another kind of positive performance, I would say, especially the first half. Yeah. OK, and on to talking of positive performances, another 5-0 win for Bayern against Frankfurt. Yeah, the, the juggernaut just keeps on going, doesn't it? And talking of juggernauts, Robert Lewandowski, another hat-trick, breaking the record for the most goals scored in five games with 10 and just to be even more crazy, the fact that he's only started or he's only played in four of those five games as well. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, he's, for me, he's the best player in the world now, hands down. I mean, you can't deny it. I think it's an absolute crime, the fact they're not having the Ballon d'Or. I think everyone should. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just a joke, to be honest with you, that. And it's really a bad, bad move on the part of FIFA. I mean, it's just not. <laughs> Rory, yeah. Do you, would you agree that Lewandowski play best player in the world now? Yeah, I think it's hard to disagree with that. To be honest, um, everything that's been going on with with Messi at Barcelona, um, obviously Ronaldo still plays to a consistent level, and you know he's been not had a great start to this season because he's had COVID as well. Um, but in terms of best player in the world at this particular point, it's yeah, it has to be you know the pole the Polish striker. He is just unplayable at the moment. Uh, pretty sure it was a perfect hat-trick as well, left foot, right foot header, um, not necessarily in that order. Um, but, 
But yeah, Bayern just, you know, they go rolling on. Slight blot on that result was possibly the injury to Alfonso Davies. Uh, that was fairly early doors. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not that they're lacking in squad depth, so I'm sure they'll cope. Um, but of course, you know, with a busy schedule, they won't want that to be a long-term thing. Um, and I mean, like when you've got Manuel Neuer scrambling back just to save the one, you know, one goal there, um, you know, saving his clean sheet with everything that he's got, you know, and they're scoring so many at the other end there. Yeah. They're in superb Nick and they look like a fantastic team at the moment. So yeah, business as usual for them. Absolutely, yeah. And then another Saturday afternoon game. It was quite an entertaining one-all draw, actually. It was uh, Union Berlin 1, Freiburg 1. Another get, To be honest, another really good goal from Freiburg. Like They're playing some good football this year. As Nick mentioned earlier on, his team, Werder Bremen, were lucky to avoid a really good uh, Freiburg goal by the VAR last week. But this, this mm. week, they got their really good goal, yeah. that It was an excellent opener. Did you see that one, Rory? Yeah, Griffo managed to uh, obviously curl one in superbly for, for the away side. So at, at, potentially at the time, it was against the run of play. Um, as Union did start quite well in that game. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, you know, a couple of crazy minutes and then Union are able to equalise um, via a deflected effort um, from Andricht. Um, but two, te two teams in the middle of the table, point each at this stage of the season, no disaster, move on. I think. Yeah, I think it's, it's two sides that can be really happy with the start to the season. I think not only more performance-wise rather than results. I mean, both sides have only won one out of five. But I think performance-wise, they've been on a pretty high level. Both sides can consider themselves a bit unlucky that they don't have another win, at least, on, on the board, really. But I don't think any either of those sides will be struggling too close to the bottom this year, to be honest with you. They both look solid sides, you know. Yeah. Okay, and then the last game, obviously, because we do have a game Monday night, which Rory will mention a bit later. But uh, Wolfsburg actually got their first Sunday win. Well, the first win of the season after four previous draws. Yeah, a game where they, they kind of flew out of the box, really. You know, I mean, they got two goals very early on. And then once again, Armenia Bielefeld showing that bounce back ability and staying in games. And by the end, they were a little bit unlucky that they didn't get a point, I think, Rory. Yeah, I think... First of all, credit to Wolfsburg because we have been giving them a bit of battering on this show. Um, and they came out of the blocks really well in that first 30 minutes. Um, their first goal being seemingly quite a clever free kick um, kind of play where they played it into their course and he slotted it in um, straight from that. And then they went for them really after that and they managed to win the ball high up, pressing Armenia um, probably kind of contributed to their own downfall for the second goal as they've lost the ball trying to play out from the back as we've spoken about about other teams previously and then um maximilian arnold is able to, to slot in for 2-0 and you think well, well this could be any number really but as you said bielefeld have managed to have this bounce back ability they they rarely get hit for a lot of goals it seems uh and as you mentioned they're able to stick to it and make it a really uncomfortable finish for wolfsburg um but yeah, I mean, Wolfsburg, after all these draws and quite a lot of negativity and not scoring that many goals, they're still, after that win, this has shot them up the league a little bit. So undefeated in five. And, you know, you've got to take that really as a fan. It might not be spectacular viewing, but they're certainly, they're certainly showing signs of improvement now. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think uh, obviously it's four, it's five games unbeaten now. They finally got that win. I mean, obviously they'd have been expected to do it maybe a bit more comfortably, but it is. I mean, they're still not playing great football, but I mean, it's five games unbeaten. They are back into the mid table now. Another win next week, and all of a sudden they go up to top five, six. You know, so it's not all doom and gloom there at Wolfsburg. Much the same with uh, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, who are the last team we'll mention now. Uh, they also had uh, three draws and then they won last week. Then obviously the first Monday night game of the Bundesliga season. I think we both predicted a, a Leverkusen win there against Augsburg at home. Rory, are you going to stick with that prediction for tomorrow night's game? Yeah, I think so. I think obviously looking ahead, um, the way that Leverkusen played in midweek, um, hitting 
um, Patrick Vieira's niece side for six goals. Uh, they'd been clamouring for goals and then they got six in one game. Um, so if they continue that form into Monday night, absolutely, that you know, there's a very good chance that they'll get themselves off to, uh, well, get themselves another three points and that would secure them and start to push them up into a more familiar position in the league. Um but yeah, in terms of Wolfsburg, they've obviously had a very solid start as well. A win for them, of course, would push them right up there into that kind of bracket of top four or five, which would be absolutely fantastic for them. Uh, promises to be a really good game. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that one tomorrow. I think I, I also fancy Leverkusen to get a 2-0 win, but I do think Augsburg could make it a little bit difficult, especially for the first half. But we'll have to see. There might be a few changes as well with another... Uh, Europa League game coming. We we know that the the German teams they do like to take Europe very seriously. You know, sometimes yeah. more seriously than the league. And I think we did see. Obviously, we mentioned earlier with Gladbach. Uh, I think we could potentially see some changes with uh, Leverkusen. But with it being the Europa League, it remains to be seen. You know, but I think the Europa mm -hmm. League is a tournament that a team like Leverkusen can realistically aim to win. Really, mm -hmm. I mean, last year they made the quarterfinal, narrowly losing to Inter Milan. So I don't see why they can't, can't go further this year. To be honest, absolutely. Okay, right. so that, yeah, go on. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's prediction time uh, as always. So, uh, Mark, I think you're going to lead us through uh, your predictions, and then I'll spin yeah. off mine after you've uh, after you've gone. I am indeed. So let's start with next, uh, the Friday. It's actually going to be starting Nordrhein-Westfalen with Schalke hosting Stuttgart. I've actually gone, these are two teams that have had very, very contrasting starts this season for me. And I have actually gone for a 2-1 Stuttgart away win. I think Stuttgart have won the previous two away games in style. And mm. I don't see why they can't make it three out of three here. Rory? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, obviously, we just side to see, you know, whether Schalke can push themselves out of the, the mire that they're in, but loving the way Stuttgart are playing 3-1 for me. Okay, and then moving on to the Saturday afternoon games, we've got Frankfurt v Werder Bremen. I think these are two sides which are, yeah, they're going along the season quite nicely. I, I was tempted to go for a 2-1 Frankfurt win, but I've gone for a one all because obviously Bremen are quite a tough side to beat so far this season. Rory? Yeah, read my mind. 1-1, one, one, uh, I think. <laughs> yeah, can't can't add more on that, I don't think. 1-1. One, one. Absolutely. And then we've got Cologne versus Bayern Munich. Yeah, I mean, it seems every week I tip for a hammering for Bayern, but I'm, once again, I'm going to go for a, a Köln 1, Bayern 5 this week. Yeah, hard, hard to kind of say anything extra on that. Uh, Köln obviously is struggling I can't. I can't even see them scoring. Uh, I've gone three nil. Uh, that is just damage limitation, I think, for Cole. Yeah, and then staying with Saturday afternoon, we've got Augsburg versus Mainz again. Another two teams that have had uh, contrasting starts. I do like the look of Augsburg at home, and I'm going to go for a comfortable two nil win there. I just, I still can't see Mainz really getting a point on the board there. Yeah, as encouraging as Mainz is performance was this weekend and really pushing munching glad back uh i think they're going to struggle away from home so going 2-1 to Augsburg. okay then we've got another difficult game for bielefeld at home to Dortmund. i've actually gone for a 2-1 Dortmund win I, I do tend to find that Dortmund struggle a little bit in these kind of games i, I can still mm -hmm. see them coming through with a win it's hard to see them not doing but i'm going to go only 2-1 there to Dortmund. yeah i do agree i think some of these games that Dortmund should be, you know, rolling teams over, they sometimes seem to struggle, whether it's a mentality thing, but I still expect them to win 3-1. Okay. Pretty similar predictions this week, Rory. Uh, yeah, very. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, then another game, uh, the Saturday evening game is a very entertaining, probably the game of the week this week. We've got Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Leipzig. I've actually gone for a one-all draw here. I'm tempted to go for a Leipzig win because they are playing well, but we have mentioned previously on the show that Leipzig do struggle to beat these top teams away from home sometimes. So I'm going to go for a mm. one-all draw. Yeah, I very almost went 1-1. One, one. Uh, I promise me and Mark aren't sharing notes on these sort of <laughs> things. So we are doing it separately. Um, but I'm going to go for a 2-1 away win for RB. The way that they're playing at the moment is really impressing me. Um Obviously, they've got a tough game against my boys, Man United, um, this this weekend. Uh, sorry, this week in the Champions League. But I think they'll be able to come through that and still get a big big win on Saturday. So two one 
Swaby. Okay, and moving on to the Saturday games, we've got uh, Freiburg versus Bayer Leverkusen. I think this has got a draw written all over it, this one. I, I can imagine it being a, a kind of entertaining draw, really. So I'm going to go for 1-1 one, one there. Um, so I'm saying, I think actually Bayer Leverkusen is starting to just hit a bit of form now. Um, so I'm going to back them for a 3-1 away win. Okay, and then we've got Hertha Berlin, who we know really struggle at home against Wolfsburg. I've actually gone for a 2-0 Wolfsburg win there, just because I can't back Hertha Berlin at home at the moment. Yeah, exactly my thinking. Um, and as a result, I've gone for a 2-1 uh, Wolfsburg away win. Um, there are encouraging signs as well today from what I've seen from Wolfsburg, so 2-1 to them. Yeah, and then uh, the Monday night game, another Monday night game next week. I've gone for a 3-1 home win for Hoffenheim against Union Berlin next Monday. Uh, yeah, I agree on the result. I think Hoffenheim will win 3-1 and get themselves uh, back on winning tracks. Okay, so that's the end of our predictions for next week. Right, so, uh, so as always... I get to do my fun fact of the week and then we're just going to quickly reel off some exciting news for next week's show. Um, so my fun fact um, is about another superstar striker. Um, so this weekend, obviously Erling Haaland's managed to bag himself another goal. Um, and he's now scored 18 goals in his first 20 Bundesliga games as a record bettered only by Uwe Seeler who scored 19 in his first 20 back in 1963-64 season. So he's in some good company there, and that's a, a hell of a start from Erling Haaland. Very, very exciting player. Look forward to the duel between himself and Lewandowski as the season goes on. So that is your fun fact of the week. Uh, and then... Uh, just going on to next week, oh, we're, we're really excited about um, our guest that we've already just had today. And we've we've got another guest already lined up for next week, which we're really excited about. Um, so we'll be revealing that in due course uh, as the week comes on our Twitter pages. Uh, he, you may have already seen on Twitter, there has been a bit of a reveal. So we'll be getting into that as well. So fantastic that we've got another guest lined up. and. Um, new feature that is going to be coming your way. Uh, it's a bit of a spin-off, a mini-series that myself and Mark are going to be doing. Uh, it's going to be the Bundesliga show, European edition. So what we're going to do is it's going to be a much shorter segment of a show, a recording podcast uh, based on the progress of the German teams in Europe, so in the Champions League and the Europa League. Um, so... After match day three, when there's a bit of a break, we're going to be recording, uh, you know, myself and Mark and a couple of other friends and co-hosts from over the bar team. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited um, to be doing that. Mark, you, uh, are you again excited about how the German teams might progress in Europe this year? Yeah, I think overall it was a pretty good week, to be honest, last week. I mean, obviously there were, obviously we won't give away too much, but it was, uh, yeah, I mean, you probably saw the results, but yeah, I mean, overall it was a good first week. We'll have to see what happens this week, you know, and hopefully, I, I will definitely be rooting for the German teams this year, and hopefully at least three out of the four I'll be able to get through this year, yeah. And also, Rory, against your team, I'm going to be all out for RB Leipzig. <laughs> well, I mean, after a fantastic win we got against PSG, I, I mean, who knows what we'll, what we'll it produce. It was a good effort, but I think uh, it was more PSG being poor, you know. <laughs> yeah, <possibly. laughs> Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we're really excited about that. So we'll be recording it in around early to mid-November when that gap comes between match day three and match day four. So keep your eyes peeled. We'll be announcing it via Twitter and all the usual places. So do keep an eye on that. So that's us done. Uh, so a slightly longer edition this week because we've had our fantastic guest Nick on with us today. Uh, as we wrap up, as per usual, please do click the subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, that red button in the corner get subscribing uh, do the same if you're listening on an audio podcast leave us a five-star review if you think we're worthy and leave us a review as well um, and then on to mark to summarize and set us up for the finale and the finish of the show 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So as always, we do have like a massive, massive range, a plethora, I would say, of uh, articles as well. We don't only provide video content on OTV. We also have a lot of really, really amazing written quality as well. Also, myself and Rory have written as well uh, articles in the past. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you can check out our Twitter as well if you're interested in finding out more about them. Like we have uh, moderators who always uh, uh, kind of advertise the new articles every day. We produce new stuff on just about everything related to football as well, from anything from women's football to internationals to Bundesliga to League One, everything. Yeah, and just let me remind you as well, guys, if you do follow us on our YouTube channel, you can also see see our other fantastic. Uh, channel as well which is the League One show as well which is obviously I, I am a fan of a League One club now unfortunately thanks to the 10 point deductions but you know <laughs> uh, yeah I mean it is fantastic I mean the guys are die hard League One fans you know I mean I think they've never even watched a Premier League game in their lives they're so into <laughs> League One you know it's all so any of you guys who are interested in finding out about the lower league football or maybe about uh, or if you're a fan of a lower league club as well and please check out them as well and please be sure to check out our website which is probably our kind of crowning glory as well the otbfootball.net subscribe to us on youtube everything you can yeah because every little helps as they say see you again next time our feed is in see you later